Okay, good morning. Thank you for that little cheer as I came up there. I think it was probably just my mum, but uh, thank you for cheering. <laughs> uh, I just want to say that it's the first time I've spoken this year, in 2017, and um, I've noticed something about us this year. Since January, I feel like our church has gone up a level. Like, I feel like we've almost uh, stepped into this exciting new season, and our Sunday mornings have just got so exciting. Anyone else felt that? Yeah, it's been great. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's felt great. Um, this morning I'm continuing in our, or I'll really start in our new sermon series, In Christ I Am. Uh, Raj gave us an introduction last week, but today's the first real talk on it. Okay. <laughs> this is a really, really exciting sermon series. In fact, I don't think that I've been this excited about a preaching series in a long time, if ever, really. I remember a few months ago as we were sitting and preparing this sermon series and we had this list of titles that we, that we had which were going to become the talks. And I remember sitting and reading this list of truths that said, in Christ I am forgiven, in Christ I'm adopted, at peace, made righteous, blessed, chosen, etc., etc. And I just remember feeling so excited. I was so excited reading that list of truths. And it reminds me of a story that one of my old, old church elders in Darlington, Mike Springer, used to tell. And uh, he told this story about how he was on a train once, coming back from London. And he was on a train reading his Bible. And he said what he was reading, it got him that much, and he got that excited about God, that he got up out of his seat and started worshipping God where he was in the middle of the train. And I kind of felt like that as I was reading these list of truths. The only good thing for me was I wasn't on a packed train. Uh, I was in our spare room. I like to call our office. Hayley likes to call it the nursery to be for the baby, but uh, there's going to be some discussions about that one. <laughs> But I just found myself worshipping God and just thanking him for this list of truths about myself. And I think this is an exciting sermon series for us as a church as well. Because it's so important that we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. I think as people living in 2017, sometimes we struggle with our identity. And you hear a lot about identity on the news and in different places. And it's so important that we know who we are in Christ. Where do we find our purpose? Who are we really? How are we defined? Are we defined by our jobs? Are we defined by our ministries? Are we defined by what we do when no one's watching? Actually, we're defined by Christ. We get our identity in him and him alone, and that is the thing which is really exciting. It doesn't matter how the world sees us or how the world tries to define us, because we've got a new identity in Christ. That's right, isn't it? So I want to give you a bit of an encouragement at the start of this sermon series, okay? I want to encourage you guys to take notes. All right, I'm really bad for taking notes in church. In fact, the only time I take a note is if I hear something which would be good for tweeting later on. Anyone else do this? Chris Onydimer, he's not here, is he? Chris Onydimer does this, I know he does. So I want to encourage you to take notes as we're, as we're speaking through these uh, sermons. Because it's going to be a point, inevitably, when you go through a difficult time, And you're going to be able to read back over these notes and really see how Christ sees you. When you hit those difficult moments, it's going to be really good for you to look back and see yourself as Christ sees you. All right, I'm excited. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this new series, Lord, about how we are uh, new creations in you and how we've got new identities in you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just really pray that this morning, would you speak to us, Lord? Would you really make this personal for us this morning, Lord? Would this message speak to our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus? 
Lord, we want to be uh, open to hear from you this morning, Lord. So we welcome you here, Jesus. Amen. All right. So our topic for today, or our I am for today, is in Christ I am forgiven. And I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to push the boundaries a little bit. It's always good to push the boundaries in church, isn't it? And uh, generally in church, what happens is you've got one passage and you have a three-point sermon, don't you? One passage and three points about that passage. This morning I'm going to introduce the revolutionary three-sermon sermon. All right? So you ain't going to have one talk this morning. You're going to have three talks this morning on three different passages in the Bible. How exciting is that? That's right. So I'm going to do three mini-talks today, and it's going to bring this idea of being forgiven to life. So you're going to have to be alert and switched on, because we're going to be jumping around the Bible today. So make sure you've got your app ready or your Bible open and ready. Okay. And we've got three mini-talks today. They're entitled, number one, uh, full, uh, forgiven full stop. Number two, sunrise to sunset. And number three, cross-centered forgiveness. So if you want to turn or scroll to your first passage, it's Isaiah 43, and it's going to be verse 25. This is my favourite type of Bible passage. It's the one-liner, easy to remember, not much to remember. So this is what it says. Let's read. The words are going to be on the screen, yes. So it says, I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. That's a New Living Translation. It's always good to have a couple of translations. So the ESV says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. How good's that? Let me give you a bit of background about this passage, because it's important that when we read any part of the Bible, that we put it into context. So this passage uh, comes from Isaiah 43. And the second part of Isaiah 43 is entitled, The Lord's Promise of Victory. What a good title for passage that is. And basically, this passage is is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah and reminding his people about everything that God has done for them. So the passage starts by him talking about how God provided for his people, uh, recalling the story of when he parted the Red Sea and they escaped from Egypt. He then goes on to say that that is nothing compared to what he's going to do in the future. And of course, he's talking about the glorious hope and a future that we found in Jesus Christ. And that's what I absolutely love about the Bible, because the Bible's got a continuous theme running through it, pointing to Jesus. Any part of the Bible you read, it points towards this glorious hope in Jesus And that's a good thing about the Old Testament, and it was great as we were reading Nehemiah to know that the Old Testament isn't just a list of names or stories or places, but it's actually the signpost pointing towards Jesus and our glorious future. So this passage goes on to say that even though God has amazing plans for his people, we still refuse to accept them, and we still try to do things on our own. We still refuse to ask for God's help. It's almost as if this little passage in the Bible is telling the whole story of the Bible in just a few short verses. And that's what makes verse 25, the one we read, even more exciting. Because even though we decide we don't need God, he still comes back with this amazing verse about how he forgives our sins. But not only that, he will never think of them again. 
See, the thing about forgiveness is this. I think it's one of those things that we find quite easy to get our head around. So I, I certainly understood forgiveness pretty early on when I was a Christian. Okay, God has forgiven my sins. Yep, we get that. Past tense, God has forgiven my sins. That's easy to understand. I think what we do struggle with is putting this into the present tense, as in God continues to forgive our sins. And that's what I want to encourage us with this morning. Um, Let me explain this a little bit further, using a word we are familiar with called guilt. See, even though we're forgiven by Christ, often as people we continue to feel guilty, don't we? We continue to feel burdened by the things we've done wrong in the past. And as people, we continue to feel shamed by that often. I remember hearing this point described wonderfully by Derek Peacock a few years ago. Is he here? He's not here, is he? No one's here this morning, I'm mentioning. Oh, he's here. Hi, Derek. Derek, uh, (laughs) he described this point wonderfully a few years ago. You might not remember this, but he came forward in church and he brought this word about sitting in dirty bathwater. Anyone remember this? And he talked about how uh, holding on to past sins and uh, this whole idea of guilt is like taking a bath and being clean and then sitting there in a dirty bathwater. I love that. Because it's so, it's daft to sit in dirty bath water, isn't it? It's a daft thing to do. And that's exactly what it's like when we, uh, when we live in, our, in the shame of the things we did in the past. We've been cleaned, but we, we continue to hold on to the things of the past. And I think the only way to break this cycle of feeling unforgiven is to understand grace. God has forgiven us, end of No, we don't deserve it. We couldn't do anything to earn his forgiveness, but that is why it's called grace. And we need to accept our identity as forgiven people and move on. We need to accept our identity as forgiven people and move on. American pastor Judah Smith writes about this in his book, Jesus Is. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to read it. It's really easy to read. If I can manage it, it must be easy. It's called Jesus Is. And uh, in this book, he talks about us being forgiven using the analogy of a hug. And he says that some people, especially men, struggle with hugs. Anyone else struggle with hugs here? I hate them. Absolutely hate them. Matthew this morning offered me a hug and I said no. Turned him down. I'm so sorry. We had this awkward moment in the toilet just after when I apologised to him and we kind of made up. It was weird. (laughs) But Judah talks about how people, especially men, when they get hugged, they stand there awkwardly being hugged, waiting for this embrace to stop. This is me all the time. Whenever I get hugged, that's the worst thing about churches is being hugged. Don't dare hug me at the end of this moment. (laughs) But... He says that people treat grace and being forgiven like this hug. This is a quote. He says, um, that's often how we react when grace comes at us. It's awkward. God offers us something that's too good to be true. Unearned, unmerited, total forgiveness. And we stand there, stiff and uncomfortable, waiting for the embrace to stop so that we can get back to the business of earning our way into heaven. Let's get something straight here. In Christ, you are forgiven, full stop. Yeah? In Christ, you are forgiven, 
full stop. God has forgiven you and that's the end of the story. When you accept Jesus into your life, you're accepting forgiveness and accepting your new identity as a forgiven person. God isn't going to bring up the things of your past. He's not going to bring up your past sins and remind you of them. He isn't going to come back and say, actually, that thing you did before you were a Christian, yeah, I'm unforgiving you for that. No, God's not going to do that. He forgets our sins and we are forgiven full stop. Christ offers total forgiveness. And I think there's something in this for all of us. To use Derek's analogy again, we need to get out of the bathwater this morning. You need to move on and uh, accept your forgiveness in Christ. You'll never understand your identity in Christ if you continue to live in the past, if you continue to feel as though you're unforgiven. I want to end my first mini-sermon with a little story. Uh, I heard this story when I was first a Christian years ago, and uh, it stuck with me ever since. And just as I was planning this talk, I did a little bit of research around this story. And uh, it turns out it's a story told by a guy called Ron Lee Davis in his book, A Forgiving God in an Unforgiving World. Anyone read it? Neither have I. Never heard of it. But um, he tells a story in this book, and it stuck with me. He says that there was this priest in the Philippines who'd been burdened by a secret sin that he'd committed years before. So he carried this sin around with him. And he'd repented, he'd said sorry to God, but he still had no sense of God's forgiveness. And in his church, in the village where he was serving, there was a lady who claimed to have visions in which she spoke with Christ, and Christ spoke with her. So the priest said to her, he said, okay, to test you, the next time you speak with Christ in one of your dreams, I want you to ask him what sin I committed when I was in Bible college. So the woman agreed, and a few days later, uh, the priest said to the lady, he said, well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? Yes, she replied, he did. And he said, okay, did you ask him what this sin I committed in Bible college was? Yes, she says. And, well, what did he say? He replied. And this response is amazing. She says, Jesus replied, Jesus said, I don't remember your sin. That's exactly how it is with God's. He forgives your sins, but he doesn't remember them. He isn't going to bring them back up. And if you feel like this morning that you've been carrying a sin around with you for years, uh, if you're struggling to know continuous forgiveness, if you feel unforgiven this morning, I'd love to have an opportunity at the end for you to pray and kind of receive some freedom from that this morning. It's such a simple thing to get out of, isn't it? Okay, that was Sermon 1. Let's uh, flip to Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12, while I get some hydration. Okay, this is our second mini-sermon. It's called Sunrise to Sunset. Okay, let's read. Okay, he does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Who recognises that from this morning? 
worship song, my favourite type of worship song, straight out of the Psalms. Amazing. Okay, actually, I had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago with Juju before church, and we talked about the Bible, um, and Julie said that whenever she reads the Bible, or whenever she gets a verse from the Bible, she'll go home and she'll look at a King James Version and look at what it really says. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, actually, I do the same thing, but I read something in my Bible I don't understand, and I'll go home and I'll get out a message version and read it in baby talk that I can understand. (laughs) It must be a generation thing, I think. King James to message. But actually, um, the message version interprets verse 12 in a lovely, lovely way. It says this, it says, As far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated our sins from us. Love it. Basically, what this passage is saying is that God has completely removed our sins from us. As far as we can imagine, east and west, sunrise and sunset, he's removed our sins from us completely. Like, just think about it. East and west never meet. You just keep going, don't you? Like, the lines don't cross over when you look at a compass. They just keep going. Sunrise and sunset never meet. They're as far away from each other as they can be in the day. We're completely and utterly removed from our sins, forgiven. Phil Mill describes this amazingly in his book, Straight to the Heart of Psalms. And he says, it should come up behind us, our sins can no more come back to haunt us than a person can throw a tennis ball from Greenland and hit New Zealand. Anyone who's not as good at geography as me will know that Greenland is up here and New Zealand is down there. Impossible to throw a tennis ball between. And what an amazing analogy that is. It's obvious that you can't throw a tennis ball from Greenland to New Zealand. So why do we find it so difficult to understand that our sins have been removed from us? In Christ, we are forgiven sins completely removed. And I think an understanding of that truth should lead us to do something. It should lead to a physical action. If we truly understand and grasp how amazing God is for forgiving our sins and how far he's taken them from us, we can't sit back and do nothing. You see, in Christ we are forgiven so that we can forgive others. So I'm going to be a little bit controversial here and I'm going to say that it's completely offensive to God to try and hold on to unforgiveness against another person. If you truly understand how amazing God is for removing your sins from you, then there is no way you can feel comfortable holding on to unforgiveness. And this is something I learned firsthand a few years ago. I want to apologise for anyone who's heard my story before. But um, when, I was, um, when I was first saved and I was first a Christian, I held on to an awful lot of unforgiveness. If I'm honest, I was a, a bitter and an angry young man. And I think the reason for this was down to my childhood, really. For anyone who doesn't know, when I was um, about five, my dad left us and said he didn't, didn't love me anymore and didn't want a relationship with me. And... Um, I was also brought up in an abusive home where my stepdad would kind of uh, abuse my mum and me and my brother kind of physically and emotionally. And to put it simply, I hated them both so, so much. Like, I couldn't even begin to think of these two guys without feeling this, like, anger and, and hatred towards them. 
And when I was first a Christian, it's something I held with me. I still felt so bitter and angry about these two guys. And the more I learned about God's character, the more my own character had to change. So God is a forgiving, loving and merciful God. He doesn't give us what we deserve, but offers us a way out. Forgiveness. He removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And when I discovered this about God, I realised that it would be completely wrong for me to continue to hate these two guys and hold on to this unforgiveness. So did my dad deserve to be hated for walking past his son and ignoring him in the street? Of course he did. I'm not disputing that. Did my stepdad deserve to be hated for prolonged physical and emotional abuse? Of course, he deserved to be hated. But the fact was that God could forgive them. God could remove those sins from them. And actually, God had removed my sins from me. God had forgiven me. And I couldn't confidently stand there and say that in Christ I was forgiven while still holding on to those sins. Are still holding on to those unforgiveness. So I had to forgive these guys, and I did. It was a long process, but I forgive, these, I forgive both these guys, and it literally changed everything. So my dad and I re-met when I was 18. Uh, one of the most awkward conversations of my life, but we re-met when I was 18, and we were able to build a relationship. He came to my wedding, and I still see him now. And um, my stepdad actually died a few years ago, uh, in 2011, I think it was, and I remember as he died, I didn't feel this kind of sadness that I would have felt before that I didn't get a chance for revenge because all of my life I just wanted revenge on him. I was going to wait till I was big enough and I was going to get revenge, but I didn't feel sadness because of that. I felt a sadness because I never got a chance to tell this guy about Jesus. I never got a chance to tell him that he could be forgiven, that he had a way out. Why am I telling you all of this? I want to encourage you. You don't need to live with unforgiveness anymore. Look, in the light of the fact that in Christ you are forgiven, any sort of anger or hatred or unforgiveness needs to be let go of, and that will bring you freedom. Honestly, that's the thing that's changed my life. And listen, please don't hear what I'm not saying here. It's a difficult thing to do. Forgiving is not easy, but in order to fully understand what it means to know forgiveness in Christ... You need to forgive others. And look, here at Jubilee, we've got an amazing pastoral care team who can provide you support. And we've got a ministry team this morning who can pray with you if you want any sort of prayer around this area of unforgiveness. But I want to encourage you this morning. At the end, I'm just going to be praying for us. And I'd love you to just give any unforgiveness that you've got to God. And listen, forgiveness doesn't just have to be for massive things and traumatic experiences. No, forgiveness can be for some of the smaller things as well. You know, for arguments you have with people, for for family conflicts, for divisions within the church, for people who've upset you. Forgiveness is still just as important in those situations as well, isn't it? If you're holding on to any form of unforgiveness this morning, I want to encourage you to give it to God's. Yeah, the other thing I like about this translation as well, which says from sunrise to sunset, he's, forgiven, uh, he's separated our sins from us, is that that is a continuous thing. God continues to forgive, and we should continue to do the same, shouldn't we? We should continue to forgive. I just want to encourage you and just challenge you, really. In any situation you go through, when you fall out with someone, when you have any sort of argument with someone, I want to encourage you to forgive them first. 
So before you try and reconcile any situation, before you get on the phone and try and arrange that coffee to sort the situation out, forgive that person first. It just makes it so much easier. And we're going to have an opportunity for that at the end as well, to pray for people to be able to forgive others as well. All right, let's move on to our final mini-sermon, all right? Uh, This is called Cross-Centered Forgiveness, and if you could turn to Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 to 8, that would be great. So my final point this morning is just an encouragement, really, and just a reminder about how we were forgiven. So let's read this passage together. Okay, it says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us to those who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he's purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgiven our sins. How good is that? I should have just done my whole sermon on this, shouldn't I? (laughs) What an amazing passage. There's so much we can take from this. And I want to start just by looking at the first couple of verses. It says, God loves us and chose us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let me say that again. God sees us as holy and without fault in his eyes. I remember one of the very first talks I gave was to this youth group in Darlington. I must have been about 17. And I did this talk about labels. And I said, guys, it's so important that you see yourself as God sees you. I said, guys, the world gives us so many different labels, but it's so important that you start to see yourself with the label that God's given you. So I did this talk, which I thought was amazing. I spoke for 20 minutes to these young people, and at the end, one of the youth leaders came over to me. He said, Gav, that was, you know, that was a, a nice talk, but you've told these guys to see themselves as God sees them, but you've not given them an example of how God sees them. So I'd done this talk, and I'd said, guys, you need to see yourself as God sees you without giving them any examples of how God sees them. Thankfully, I've learned a little thing about a little thing about preaching since then. Not much, but I've learned a little bit. <laughs> Hear this part, all right? This is how God sees you. God tells us that in His eyes we are holy and without fault. Come on, hear that this morning. Holy and without fault. That is so important. It doesn't matter how you see yourself at a minute. It doesn't matter what sort of week you've had. It doesn't matter what sort of situation you're in in your life at the moment because God sees sees you as holy and without fault. And that's a truth we need to hear about ourselves. Do you know what? It's so important sometimes that we hear truth about ourselves and how God sees us. Let me give you an example, all right? A few months ago, I was playing football for uh, Team Jubilee, and uh, I did something which was quite common for me. I gave away a penalty, all right? That's quite common for me. Um, But then I completely lost it, really. I I completely kind of lost what I was doing. I ended up kicking a ball at this guy's head while he was on the floor, and I got kind of ejected from the pitch by the referee. And as I sat there on the sidelines, looking at the lads playing, I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, like, I've absolutely messed up. The lads found it hilarious that, you know... 
Mr. Hawley Gavin had lost his temper. But do you know what? I felt absolutely awful. And, and I went home and told Haley, and I felt even worse. I, uh, <laughs> I came to church the next day, I saw Andy Cockluff, I felt even worse. And <laughs> from the outside, you know what? This looked like a funny situation, but on the inside, I had this awful, awful, awful week where I just felt terrible. I felt like I'd let the church down. Like, I felt like I'd let Rise and Simon and Sarush down. I felt like I'd let you guys down. I thought, you know what? I can't be preaching to these guys or leading prayer meetings because I'm a terrible person. I had this awful, awful week. And I, just, I, I was chatting to the guys on, on Thursday morning and they laughed about it as well, which made me feel worse. But I remember coming out of that meeting and I just remember feeling like, do you know what? How does God see me? God doesn't see me as this failure because I've got some you know, rash challenge at football and lost my temper. No, God sees me as blameless and forgiven in his eyes. And literally, as I got that truth, as I grasped that, it changed my mood completely. That's a stupid example, I know. But that's what happens sometimes. We struggle to see ourselves as God sees us, and that leads us to some dark places, doesn't it? My topic for today was in Christ we are forgiven and I just want to end with one last point and one last kind of story. I want to end by talking about the greatest uh, act of love in history. That passage in Ephesians said that God purchased our freedom. God purchased our freedom. What does that mean? Because I think this simple idea of God purchasing our freedom is so amazing. Because God made us, this passage says, we belong to God, we are his children, so why on earth would he have to purchase our freedom? Why on earth would he have to purchase the freedom of what is already his? If if the band could come up, uh, that would be great. And I'm going to tell you a quick story from my favourite book of the Bible. Don't bother turning to it, but it's in in the book of Hosea. You can read it as you go home. And uh, in Hosea, there's a story that just describes this point about purchasing freedom perfectly. So I'm going to tell you the story, basically. So Hosea is uh, one of God's prophets, and he's married to a lady called Gomer. And basically, Hosea absolutely adores his wife. Like, He absolutely adored her. He loved her so much, but she didn't feel the same about him. Instead, she had multiple affairs. She she slept around a little bit. The Bible says she was a promiscuous woman, so she went around flirting with guys as well. And uh, Hosea and his wife had three kids. And shortly after the birth of their third child, uh, Gomer became enslaved in prostitution. So she left... Uh, Hosea and became a prostitute basically so she belonged to uh, a a, a prostitute slave master or a pimp as we'd call him these days and this is where it gets interesting God says to Hosea he says Hosea I want you to go and buy back your wife God says Hosea I want you to go to Gomez's new master and I want you to pay the money to buy her back to become your wife Let's think about this for a second, all right? So Hosea absolutely adores his wife, all right? Anyone who's married here will know what that's like, you know, to absolutely adore your wife. But, but she had uh, cheated on him and become a prostitute. I mean, imagine the conversation as he went to buy her back. Like, as he goes over to her new master and he says, come on, this is my wife. Like, this is a woman that I absolutely adore. This is a mother of my kids. Don't make me buy her back. And the new master would say, do you know what? It's not my problem. She's my property now. 
you're going to have to pay 25 pieces of silver to buy her back. And they'd be pleading, and Hosea would say, please don't do this. You know, this is my wife, I love her. But still, the slave master would say, no, you need to buy back her freedom. And that's what Hosea did. He purchased the freedom of his wife. He purchased the freedom of what was already his. He purchased the freedom of the woman that he loved who turned her back on him. And look, this story is in the Bible to symbolize God's relationship with his people. He loves us. He cares for us, but we go astray. We do things on our own. But even then, he still chooses to purchase our freedom. Let me make this clear. What God did by offering Jesus as a sacrifice on the cross was to purchase the freedom of his own children, to purchase back what was already his. He didn't have to do it. It was our choice to go and do things on our own. It was our choice to turn our backs on God, but God is so merciful, so gracious, and so forgiving that he chooses to purchase our freedom. In Christ we are forgiven because of his great sacrifice for us. Because God purchased our freedom on the cross, we can be forgiven. And look, if anyone here this morning wouldn't call themselves a Christian, if you, you know, couldn't confidently say that in Christ you've got a new identity, I want you to hear this. God sacrificed himself for you. God has purchased your freedom. If you've never given yourself to, if you've never given your life to God this morning, if you've never gained this new identity, I'd love for you to come and find me at the end and I'd love to pray for you. All right, let's respond let's respond this morning, all right? I've said a lot, let me recap. The first point was about uh, being unable to accept forgiveness. If there's some people here this morning who are struggling to accept forgiveness, who are holding on to the past sins, all right, I want you to respond this morning. The second point was about um, God separating our sins from us, about us being able to forgive others because of that. This morning, if you're holding on to any sort of unforgiveness, I'd love you to respond as well. Okay, so let's stand, all right? I'm not going to make it complicated. I'm going to pray for us all, all right? And then if you want any further prayer or ministry, then some of the ministry team guys might be stood at the side. But actually, I'm just going to pray for us all as a whole this morning. And you can respond right where you are in your heart. So Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we are new creations in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much that in you, we are forgiven, Lord Jesus. And I want to just... Lord, I want to lift up those people today, Lord, who, who may be struggling, Lord, with this idea of being forgiven, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone here who's holding on to any past issues of forgiveness or any past issues of their own sins, Lord, I pray that right now you would bring freedom for those people, Lord. Lord, would you remove that burden from them so they can know your forgiveness, Lord, so they can know that they're a new creation forgiven in you, Lord Jesus. Would you just reveal to them right now, Lord, that you don't remember their sins, Lord Jesus. God, I want to pray for anyone today, Lord, who's struggling with unforgiveness, Lord. If there's anyone here holding on to any sort of unforgiveness, Lord, would you, in your grace, just come and help them to give that to you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now, Lord, and help them to give that issue to you, Lord. I thank you that because of your goodness, you allow us to forgive, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, not in a condemning way, Lord, but in a way of freedom, Lord, would you just give, allow these people to forgive others, Lord Jesus. 
Yeah, Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that in you we are new creations, Lord. In you we find forgiveness, and that's why we can stand here as free people, Lord Jesus. We worship you this morning because you are amazing, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship, guys.